It's time for episode 450 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that marches on despite the discontinuation of the iPod. I actually don't <laughs> even know if this is still called a podcast these days, but I do know that I'm still called Micah Sargent and that my pal, my dungeon buddy, and the man of the hour, apparently, because that's what my brain decided to go with. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I prefer to be the man of the half hour because the show's only 30 oh, minutes. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. 450 episodes in, we're still... Still waka making the waka. same jokes. Um, let's walk a walk on and introduce our awesome guests. To my left is the community manager for Micro.blog, prolific podcaster on the Incomparable Network, and everyone's favorite guinea pig enthusiast. It's Gene McDonald. <laughs> hi. Hi, guys. I'm glad to be back. And to my left this week, it is a senior editor at 9to5Mac and a space aficionado. It's Zach Hall. Welcome back, Zach. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back. All right. You know how this works. We're going to get this thing underway because we've got 30 minutes and four topics. My topic for you. I want to know about your mousing habits. What kind of mouse do you use? And to be clear, I'm talking about the computer one. Um, what kind of mouse do you use? Field mouse, brown mouse. Have you tried different mice? What works for you, Gene? Well, now I feel obligated to to start with the disclaimer that the guinea pig is the best rodent. <laughs> but if you have to work uh, with your computer, you do want a mouse and I have the original Magic Mouse, and I haven't even been tempted to upgrade it. Um, but since I got my 16-inch MacBook Pro, I've pretty much gone all in on the trackpad, and I haven't looked back. And one reason um, that's possible for me, I think, is somebody, oh, Fiona Voss on Microdot.blog turned me on to the three-finger drag option, which is an accessibility. And... That just made all the difference. Now, I just use two or three fingers to do pretty much everything I need to do, and so I don't really use the mouse anymore. I have not used a mouse in a long time, um, partially because at one point I became a, a laptop-only user for a long time, and I did not... There was no point in... like I was traveling with it, right? You don't want to bring a mouse along and connect it, use up all the, that valuable tray table room. Oh, like, <laughs> tray table. Mm -hmm. uh and, and so i you know i was all in on the trackpad and apple makes great trackpads um the gesture support is fantastic really they're second to none every time i use <laughs> i think the plural is trackpeds trackpeds <laughs> they have many legs that makes me worried uh they're scuttling around now um my anytime i use a computer from another purveyor of uh of pcs or laptops and i use a third like a trackpad that they made it's it's awful uh, I cannot figure out how to use the trackpad on my wife's Lenovo. It's just it's just maddening. <laughs> Most of the time I click and things don't happen or things do happen. The wrong things happen. Anyways, that's a long way of saying I'm all trackpad all the time. I've had a magic trackpad for years, basically, since they started making them. And I absolutely love the trackpad. So I you'll be hard pressed to get me to go back to a mouse. Zach, what about you? Uh, plural of trackpad is tracks pad. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, like, that's what it is. Agreed. Canon. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, um, let's see. So I, my main computer is a MacBook Air. I use the trackpad built into that, but, um, I also use it at my desk attached to a display and keep mouse and keyboard and everything as well, too. So there I also have, um, the magic trackpad from Apple, the gigantic one. And I have the new, like all the silver and black color instead of the, uh, space gray or silver and white color. So that's, that's kind of cool. But I, I couldn't bring myself to use the, um, the magic mouse at my desk any longer. It kind of like, th- I, I wanted to buy the new color scheme, but my hand hurt and like making the, um, like rounded way that I hold it. And so I, I, tried something different recently, which is Logitech's MX Ergo mouse, which is really different for me. It's a ball mouse. So instead of moving the mouse on your desk, you move your thumb around this ball. And um, at first it was really bad because the speeds just made no sense for how I, you know, use Mac OS and having a 27 as monitor. It's like, I'm doing a lot of thumb rolling to get this cursor to move, but then Logitech has software that makes it you know, makes sense and, and usable. You know, I have the trackpad for, for gestures and, and, um, scrolling around and things, but I've also got this, this mouse that gives me precision control, but also doesn't move around my desk and it feels pretty good in my hand. So, um, that, that hand pain isn't quite as big of a concern. I've used a lot of different mice. One kind of mouse I've not, or actually I guess two would be the trackball option and the vertical mouse option. And I think, I, at some point, I'm going to give those a go just to, just to try. But right now on my desk, I've got, uh, my magic keyboard and then the trackpad is next to it. And then further to the right is the magic mouse. Um, I've never had any sort of wrist issues using the magic mouse. And because I've gotten so used to the swipe ability of the, the top of that glass, it is something that I, I can't, I can't put away. I, I use it for when I used to do video editing. Uh, and then also when I used to do audio editing, thank you, uh, clockwise editor. Um, it was very important for me to have that, uh, swipeability on the top of the, the mouse and switching to the, a Logitech mouse that had the the wheel was just not the same and going left and right with it was not possible. Uh, so all of that made me kind of stick with the magic mouse, uh, the one that you sort of put belly up in order to charge. And that paired with the trackpad is how I do most of the stuff that I do. I find myself scrolling most often with the trackpad and then doing everything else with the mouse because I find it precise in clicking. And uh, my sort of two for one uh, made me curious how everybody else kind of handled that. But um who knows? There could be a different mouse in my future uh, as I uh, attempt to to try some different things just to see uh, what would or would not work with me uh, these days. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let's move to our next topic, which comes from Jean. So I'm wondering if you signed up for the WWDC keynote invite, which Apple issued um, this week, the sign up um, and I think as we record, it's already over. But I wonder what you think of whether it's worth it to go to Cupertino for one day of WWDC in-person presentations and other activities. I did not apply to this. I, you know, it's tricky as somebody who covers WWDC. Yes, there's an appeal to being there, but yeah. there's also an appeal to watching it from the comfort of your own couch. I think the things that I miss the most uh, in you know having an in-person WWC event is being able to see people and friends that I don't get to see very often. Obviously, there's no guarantee based based on everybody else and whether or not they get picked in the lottery that you know you actually get a chance to do that. 
I'm maybe kind of have like a little hope in my brain that after COVID gets a little less severe that and, and you know, we might have more in-person conferences that there might be some ancillary events attached to this where people decide mm-hmm. to sort of show up even if they aren't officially invited. I have some curiosity about what exactly this is going to look like. I don't really quite understand, and I'm curious to see how they produce something that's probably a combination pre-taped and may have some live component to it. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll have that that FOMO from not having gone this year. But <laughs> I don't. I'm not super sad about the idea of not flying back and forth to, to California. <laughs> Zach, what about you? Uh, didn't didn't apply for this. Um, don't have a whole lot of FOMO, but it's one of those things where had I not had the opportunity to be in Cupertino and experience Steve Jobs Theater before and the the new visitor center before, um, I, w- I probably would. Um, especially in, in the curiosity of what this new developer center is that, that seems to be next to the visitor center. Um, if if you've never been or if you're you know sort of new in this uh, this area, then this is a really cool opportunity. And for anyone who has applied, you know, best of luck. I, I can, I can imagine the excitement that you get from having this experience if, if you haven't had it before. Um, personally, I'm so starving for human interaction and <laughs> in person, you know, events and things like that. Um, so this, the, I guess if there's like a, a press component and then, you know, that's offered out, then I wouldn't turn it down, even if it were for a limited period of time. Um, but I guess zooming way out, I can't wait for, you know, Oh, gosh, um, something sort of like what we had before where we had days long events and, uh, you know, everyone got together, whether you were going to the keynote or not. So, um, miss those. I'm glad this, this, this taste of that is, is, is here this year, um, because it will have an impact on a lot of people's lives. You get to experience it. Um, but I didn't, didn't want to put my name in there and, and, um, you know, if, if I were chosen, I would have felt bad for someone who, who couldn't go. So. I did not sign up for the invite. I, because I'm a, a press person more than a developer, I, I didn't want to take a spot from some, if I, if by some chance I was able to get in, I didn't want to take a spot from someone who would benefit from being there in person for the sake of being able to serendipitously run into someone and, and talk about the things that they needed to. I'm glad that there is an in-person part of it somewhat, but at the same time, uh, numbers are on the rise again, unfortunately. And, uh, we just experienced, uh, uh, one colleague at our office who ended up contracting COVID. And so we all had to return home from twit. And that is enough to make me go, I'm very glad I'm staying far away from the in-person <laughs> part of WWDC, regardless of, uh, you know, the, the policy surrounding mask wearing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Gene, why don't you round us out? Um, well, yeah, I did sign up. I, I, the rational me was not going to sign up because I could make a lot of arguments why not. But um, emotional me, um, who has always gotten a lot out of being there in person, hanging out with the Apple community for many years, won out. I did look to see if I could get a hotel deal, and it's a short flight down from Portland. So I'm I'm sure if I get to go... There will be something that makes me glad I went, even though I can't predict in advance what that will be. So we'll see. All right. We are going to take a quick break so I can tell you about, honestly, one of my favorite sponsors, 
It's Text Expander from our friends at Smile. You can get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is at their fingertips. You can get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it. But even if you don't have a team, Text Expander is great even for individuals. It helps me get things done at any time. I've got uh, shortcuts for our snippets, as they call them, for all sorts of things. Uh, instead of having to type out an address every time I need to uh, share an address, I can just use my little keyboard shortcut to make that happen. Uh, there's so much magic that Text Expander can do. And uh, here's how it works. First, you store it. You can keep your or your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then you can share it. That's another cool feature to be able to share it with other people. So your whole team gets access to all the content they need to use every day. And it can even be organized by department. And then finally, you expand it. Uh, that's the best part. You deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. And it's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac. It's available on Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Um, I happen to know a certain individual who's here on this podcast today who uh, created a great little text expander library for adding all of those fun uh, accents to different words that you have. So if the word is resume, you may or may not know that there are lots of different little accents that you add. Plus, I've got ones for emoji that I use most frequently. Uh, as a listener of Clockwise, you out there need to give this a try. And when you do, you'll get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash clockwise to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash clockwise. And of course, our thanks to Text Expander for their support of the show and Relay FM. Thank you, Text Expander. Now we're back from the break, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. So my question for you is, are you a routine Apple Watch upgrader? Which is to say, do you sort of keep up to date with newer models? Uh, get one every year, every couple of years. Uh, if not, what would get you to upgrade your current model? What's the thing that tips you over the edge when you're like, oh, okay, maybe it's time for a new Apple Watch? Zach, I think, you, I think you're an Apple Watch fan. Yes, I've upgraded every year. I think that aspirationally, I'm a single generation multi-year user, but I've never pulled it off. Yeah. So, I, you know, as to say, I want to buy like a series five and use it for a couple of years. And I just haven't been able to every year. There's something that, you know, with like the, the one small change per year gets me. And so, um, I, I guess what would get me to upgrade, you know, any change nearly ever. Um, so if I, if I could flip it, what would get me not to upgrade? Hmm. I don't know. Even that, I feel like it's tested because some of the changes year over year are pretty, pretty subtle, but there's always something that, that gets me. So I, I, I think one thing that helps me upgrade every year too, is that I can change the color of the watch or, um, even the material. I always go with the larger size, but I, but I do change between aluminum or steel or like what color of aluminum or steel I get. And so that helps the watch feel like it's a different one than the year before. Um, and then the fact that you can keep using your band so far helps as well. So, uh, definitely an Apple watch upgrade every year. And my success rate of keeping one longer than, than the year is, is not so great. I do uh, pretty much upgrade every year, and that's because of work. Um, I get the latest Apple Watch because I talk about Apple Watches all the time on iOS today. Um, and so given that, I'm always upgrading. I think that if I sort of pull myself out of that, I would almost certainly still be uh, an every year upgrader or at the very least an every other year upgrader because 
I really love my Apple Watch and uh, every time that the features that get added, if there are new features, um, I would want the latest one. If I didn't have work, I still would have upgraded to the latest one this time, even though it was just a little bit of a screen difference for the most part, because it came in green. (laughs) So they would have gotten me with that, uh, regardless of the fact that, you know, there weren't too many added features with this model. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next model will be and looking forward to seeing what it looks like on my wrist. Gene, what about you? (laughs) Well, I upgraded from Series 0 to Series 5, so I don't think I qualify as a routine upgrader. But if I were going to upgrade from the 5, um, which I expect to do at some point, but uh, yeah, I seem to be on a different track from you guys. I I would be intrigued by possibly a hardware design improvement. I don't know what that would be. I'm actually very happy with this watch. So if they had new um, health tracking abilities, that would interest me because that's the reason I wear it most of the time is, you know, to track things like heart rate and uh, steps and stuff like that. And I mean, if they would have a way to track blood pressure, which I know it's just not possible, but I would upgrade in a heartbeat as it were. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so in the past, I've been a regular but infrequent upgrade. I don't even know if I can call myself regular. I owned a Series 0. Uh, I did not upgrade again until the Series 4. Uh, I'm living your aspirational life here, Zach. Uh, and I, I was very happy with it for the most part. But then when the 4 came out with a larger screen, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a noticeable quality of life improvement. This year, when the 7 rolled around, I was not super jazzed about it, even though there's a bunch of stuff like I just missed out on the always on screen, but like, oh, my battery life was always so good. It has a slightly bigger screen, but I wasn't really compelled by it. And the blood oxygen stuff they added last year seemed to be kind of hit or miss. So all that was like, you know, you know what? I think I'm fine with the series four for the moment. I'll, I'll keep going on it. Uh, listeners of one of my other shows, The Rebound, uh, might have heard me retell this story, but the other day, while I was on my last day of vacation, I knocked my Apple Watch off the dresser when I was picking it up in the morning, and it fell three feet onto a tile floor. It did not survive well. <laughs> so I ended up with a situation where it's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to wear a cracked Apple Watch. I just don't, I don't want to deal with the broken glass and all that. And I don't feel like I can necessarily hold out four months until another Apple Watch gets <laughs> released. So I bought myself a Series 7, and I'm mostly uh, pretty happy with it. I don't love the idea of having an upgrade, but like I think it's far enough along that it's not like you know a minor upgrade. Like There's some, some noticeable improvements. It's much snappier. The bigger screen is great. Uh, and I was kind of like you, Zach. I, you know, I, I bought a blue one for the first time. I was thinking about green mica. I just I have a harder time matching green, I think, with other stuff that I wear, whereas I feel like blue for me is a very uh, it's a color I wear a lot. It's a color I have a lot of. So it just works nicer with a lot of stuff that I already wear. But I like that it's got a bit of pop to it. Like I usually was a space gray watch owner. And this is the first time I've opted for a uh, a color. And uh, I like it. I'm a fan. So that's what will get me to upgrade an Apple Watch is breaking my old Apple Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our final topic today, which comes from Zach. All right. So I've got some bad news. The iPod's dad. I don't know if you guys saw this, but yesterday Apple discontinued the iPod Touch. It's the the last one, the seventh generation. Because it was the last iPod, it means that the brand is going away as well. And they had a kind of a lovely piece on Apple's newsroom site that was, you know, the music goes on and it talks about uh, some iPod history and then sort of where the spirit lives forward. Um, But my question is uh, for everyone, I have to imagine everyone has an answer here. Uh, What was your first iPod? And then also what was your favorite iPod, uh, Micah? 
So my first iPod was an iPod Nano. Uh, it was one that had a screen and it had a camera on the back of it. It was a, a small rectangle about, I mean, it was taller than a deck of cards, but slimmer than a deck of cards. So I don't remember exactly what model that was, but it came in this stunning beautiful, gorgeous green color that I remember on, um, it was I, after I graduated from something, um, it, not, not college, I'm not that young. Um, so it would have been, you know, uh, either graduating from middle into high or around the time of my high school graduation, I don't recall, but it was sitting on the stairs, um, as I came downstairs from going upstairs and putting some things away. And I just saw this shocking green color out of the corner of my eye. And I, you know, bent down and was like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And I was so excited about it. Um, and you know, immediately started adding music to it. And I, I took care of that thing for a long time. I ended up, um, Late, much later on down the line, I was not using it because I had an iPhone by that point. And so I uh, sold it. Um, and I got uh, again in the future then an iPod Nano, the one that just kind of clipped onto your, your shirt or whatever. And it was a really, really small little rectangle, almost a square, um, always in green. And I was just talking yesterday uh, to... Uh, to I think it, yeah it would have been Rosemary Orchard because the news had come out right before uh, iOS today kicked off that if they had a green iPod Touch right now then I definitely would have bought one yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, the most recent iPod Touch does not come in green. But uh, in any case, very fond memories of the iPod, and I have to say that my favorite model of uh, iPod video, if you want to say that, would be the one that I had. Um, although it was, I, I can remember holding it and it was uh, kind of severe <laughs> at the at the edges. And so it was a little bit um, sharp, if you will. Uh, and, but it, it did slide nicely into a pocket. And uh, between that one and the tiny little clip on that you could put on your shirt or uh, clip to your, your jeans pocket, both of those were among my favorites. Jean, what about you? Uh, well, my first was the iPod Mini Green. I loved that thing so much, and I just held on to it until I got an iPhone um, like three years later. And I also had the little shuffle, the clip, clippy thing um, in green. I thought that was just the most adorable yes. thing ever. And uh, I held on to them for a very long time. Um, but I'll always have a favorite a favorite or a special place in my heart for the iPod Touch because we used them at App Camp for Girls so that the kids could have um, something to build their apps onto and they could take them home every night and show off their apps to their parents and their siblings. Um, and we even used the iPod colors to color code the team. So we had a blue and a pink and a yellow team um, every camp session and that kind of, you know, reinforce the whole team solidarity, and it just made it a lot of fun. So I've bought many, many of those iPod touches uh, for camp. And I always felt like, I don't know, I have some photos of, you know, just stacked up of those beautiful iPod touches. And that just that was a joy to work with. And, and the kids were really happy to have them. And I can brag that they were never lost. 
not one, even though we let them take them home at night. So I, it's interesting. I never owned an iPod touch. It's one of the models. I never owned a mini either. I think my first iPod was the original iPod, um, which I received as a Christmas present from my parents, uh, in 2001. Uh, and I was, as I think I mentioned on Twitter yesterday, it was one of the most surprising gifts I've ever received because I had no expectation of it. I hadn't even asked for one because I was like, it's, it's like, what was it, like 500 bucks. I was like, that's too expensive. <laughs> like no one's going to buy me a $500 music player uh, when I'm in, you know, I was like a junior in college, I want to say. Uh, and so I was shocked and honestly just speechless when my, my parents gave me one for Christmas. Um, I loved that thing. That thing saved my bacon a couple times since it could act as a firewire hard drive as well. That was a really big deal at that point. Um, and just the ability to carry around all my music with me. I had previously borrowed, I used to park very far away on campus and I'd have to move my car once a week and then walk home like a, you know, a mile and a half or something. And I would borrow my friend's little Diamond Rio MP3 player, which fit, you know, seven or eight songs on it. And I'd be like, it's just enough music to get you, you know, through that walk. Uh, and it was just amazing how much you could fit on the iPod. Like just being able to move your entire library over there was mind blowing. So that I think that one is probably my favorite, though, if I could name a second favorite, it might be oh, it might be the second. No, I want to say like f- fourth generation. Um, I'm trying to remember now which one. The ones that came in, the iPod Nanos that came in the color. The fat Nanos? No, not in the fat ones. The second, I think it's the second generation ones. When they weren't just black and white, they came in like uh, aluminum colors. And mm-hmm. those things were really nice. Like those were just, it had the nice click wheel and they looked gorgeous in the colors. They had these really sharp screens and they were so small and light. You could just take them anywhere. So that one, I think for me was a, a real winner. Zach, why don't you wrap us up here? Sure. So my first iPod was also my first Apple products. And so it's, it's very special for me. Um, growing up, my family didn't, uh, had a lot of brothers and sisters and there, there wasn't a lot of, well, let's just, I'll just put it this way. I never felt like I could ask for an Apple product as a gift. Uh, but I loved music and, um, but my girlfriend at the time had an iPod Nano third gen, the short and fat one. And so I think it was for my 17th birthday. I asked for uh, an iPod for, for my birthday and I received an orange iPod Nano, the, the tall um, one that followed the short fat one. And I think that was fourth generation um, was, was really a big deal for me. I mean, it was literally the first Apple product I think that I had like touched in my, you know, like possession. Um, so it meant a lot to me. I remember watching the dark Knight on it at a wedding as Christopher Nolan intended. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so, you know, that was very special for me. Uh, My favorite one probably is, you know, I would say it's like the second or third generation uh, iPod touch that came free with my MacBook pro that I, that I uh, bought for college on like scholarship money. And so this was all, you know, where Apple products were way out of my price range and I was a kid and for my family and, um, you know, through a very special gift and also through college, then they were becoming accessible to me and then kind of became my career. Um, but the one thing I remember also about the iPod touch, you know, it being my favorite iPod just because of, you know, it's like the iPhone without the iPhone responsibility at the time. Um, is that the same year that I got uh, the iPod nano for my birthday, uh, which was in October, my younger stepsister got an iPod touch for Christmas. And I'm like, oh. wow, this, this is <laughs> way different. I could have asked for that. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> um, all right, folks, uh, we are just about to the end, but there is time for a bonus question. My question for you, would you rather live somewhere it's always hot or somewhere it's always cold? Gene? 
Hot, definitely. I need to know what the definitions of hot and cold are. <laughs> um, <Okay>. Reasonably <laughs> hot or reasonably cold. <laughs> I don't do well in either the extreme cold or the extreme heat. I think I would go reasonably hot as long as it's not blazing hot and or hugely humid. I live in South Mississippi and I've lived in South Florida as well. It's it's hot and it's humid and there is either no winter or very little winter and I've never had control over that. I I've never lived somewhere cold, so I would have to say somewhere cold where I can warm up if I need to. It's really it's harder to cool off outside when it's just 100% humidity and hmm. and blazing hot. And I love jackets as just like fashion and style, so cold please. Why do I live here? I am also a cold, cold, cold kind of guy. I love it cold. I like being chilly. I like wearing a jacket or uh, in a case right now, I'm wearing um, a robe over my clothing because it's nice and warm and cozy. Uh, but I want the air to be chilly so that I can wear that and be comfortable versus Doesn't being cold in Northern California. It gets cool in Northern California. It gets cool. Yes, it doesn't get cold. No, I'll take issue with this. I'm from Missouri where I it know. gets a lot cooler <laughs> and I do miss that. Um, but it's, uh, I, I think my body is, is, uh, is <laughs> what acclimating to the temperatures here and, uh, the mornings can be kind of chilly. Um, all right. Uh, I should mention that you listening out there, if you would like to get ad free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. And you'll help support the show in this week's overtime topic. We discuss USB-C on the iPhone. All right, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. It's time to thank our incredible guests, Gene McDonald. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure. Thanks. And Zach Hall, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you all for having me. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.